I just felt like I was supposed to say a prayer today before I start in the Word. Uh, you know, we have a preaching team, and the last time I spoke, it talked about the Word of God. It was about the Word of God. And it was about how Absaloms in our life can keep us from intimacy with God. And we're going to go revisit the Absaloms. If you weren't here, it's no big deal. Uh, you'll understand what I'm saying, because God wants to draw us closer, but those things that want to keep us away. See, Satan does not care as much about our activity for God as he does our intimacy with God. And so we can do things for God and not be intimate with God. Before that, I just, Lord, Lord, I thank you for the word today going forth. But, Lord, I thank you for an increase in signs, wonders, and miracles, even during worship and preaching. Even when we don't talk about healing, Jesus, you were going somewhere. You weren't even talking about healing, and a woman touched the hem of your garment and was healed. You weren't teaching about healing. You weren't showing about healing. You weren't healing others. She didn't see it. She just says, if I can touch him, Lord, if we can touch you. So we want to touch you, Lord. We want to touch your presence. We want to touch you, Jesus, because in you is everything. There's peace, there's healings, there's signs, there's wonders, there's not just one thing or two things and there's three things. Lord, I thank you there will people that will come in here that need a healing, that don't even believe in healing, that will be healed just because you're in the room. See, when you come in, Jesus, everything changes, Lord, and we want to change today. We don't just want to hear a sermon. I'm not up here to preach a good sermon. You do not need another good sermon. We need to get closer to Jesus. I, there's sermons I don't remember I, I've heard. Thousands of sermons I don't even remember, but I remember encounters. I remember when I got closer to Jesus. I remember when he touched me, and I touch him. So Lord, we want to touch you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to go into teaching mode. What good is a sermon if it doesn't change us? There's Jesus taught the multitudes and many went away unchanged, face to face with Jesus, hearing the words of Jesus, touching God in the flesh, and yet unchanged. So that can happen in any church. It doesn't matter how good a preacher I am or what the message. It's about the soil of our hearts. It was the same seed. It was different soils. And some, the cares of this world and the deceitful of riches choked it. Same word, same message. Others grew 30, 60, and 100-fold. Uh, so at the portion of the scripture I'm going to look at, and David was a type and a shadow. And simply when we talk about types and shadows, in the Old Testament, there was types and shadows, meaning there was a reflection of Jesus somewhere. There's an aspect of Jesus. It wasn't an exact representation. If you see a shadow of a tree, I can see that it's a tree, but I don't know all the details. And so it's the same thing when we look at a shadow. We look at Boaz and Ruth. He was the kinsman redeemer, and he redeemed Ruth. But there was one before Boaz, and he says, you have the right to redeem Ruth. And so the first redeemer says, no, I will not. And so the law came and says, I will not redeem you. And Boaz came second, and that was Jesus. And then after he redeemed Ruth, he said, you are my witnesses. It's the same thing Jesus said in the Gospels. After he redeemed us and rose from the dead, he says, you are my witnesses. And so we see those things. But David, probably more than anybody else, has more of a type and shadow like Jesus. Joseph, when he was in the pit, and he comes out at the right hand of Pharaoh, that's a type and shadow of Jesus going to the grave and coming at the right hand of the Father. There's types, but David more than anybody else, not just because he was a king, Jesus is king, not just because he was a shepherd, he was a shepherd, it was also his heart and the way he lived. So when we look at this story, at the time of this, at the portion of Scripture we're going to look at, David was king at this time. He was a shepherd boy, God called him king, he was a king, and one of his sons wanted to be king, so we could see him plotting and trying to be king. But David was king, and he tried to be king, and that's just like Satan. He tries to take the throne of Jesus and says he, can't take the, he couldn't take the throne in heaven. He gathered one-third of the angels, and he couldn't take the throne. He wants to take the throne of our heart. He's always looking for some place to dwell. Uh, so he came to the Garden of Eden, and he took their authority. See, he's always looking for something to sit on. And there's places in our heart, there's places in my heart where God doesn't have full authority. Some I know about and some I do not. And so we say he's Lord and we say he's king, but really in every area he's not. That's just the truth. 
uh, we praise him, we worship him, but in, in every area when he tells us to do things, there's some things that are hard and difficult we don't want to do, some things in easier we do, and so we elevate the things that we do do and say, look, I'm following you, but the things that God says, look at the, what you're not doing. Uh, the rich man ruler says, you do everything, go sell your riches, and he said he went away sad. It's the one thing he couldn't do. Now, if he could give the riches away, Jesus would have never asked him to give the riches away. It's the one thing he couldn't do, if that makes any sense. So I'm going to read a portion of Scripture, and then we're going to look at it in depth, because I believe God wants us to draw us closer to him, closer to him. But there's obstacles, there's voices that cry out. So after this happened, that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now I'm going to read a little bit, and then we're going to go back and break it down, okay? Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, he would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land. Remember that judge. And everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, and then I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now you notice they were going to see the king. They weren't going to see Absalom. Absalom was by the way. He was to the way gate, and Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, and he also is the gate. He says, very truly, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to me. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So they were going to meet the king, but Absalom sidetracked them. When we go to meet Jesus and spend time with God and get to know God, there's Absaloms that cry out, and they take our focus off Jesus. Now, notice it says Absalom provided for himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run ahead. In your life, Absaloms will inflate their value and importance in order to get your attention. See, he just wasn't standing there. When you saw Absalom and the men and the chariots running before him, you would say, oh, he's of importance. And so they'll inflate their importance, see, above God. What you, you need to do this before you know God. You need to know about ministry before you know God. Even ministry things, you need to know about prophecy, signs, and wonders. Study those things. But there's always things in life that will cry out. Now, notice he was by the way. He's not the way. Jesus is the way. He was by the way gate. They were going to meet with Jesus. And so I want us to look at the picture today. When we want to go meet with God, there's things in our life that will take us. And I'm just talking about, oh, I want to spend time with God in the morning. I'm talking about your life, your lifestyle. You want to get in closer to God. There's things that'll pull our attention. Now, he would cry out, and he would, he would cry out, but he said, when anyone was going to the king, Absalom would call to them. See, Jesus called. The Bible says he called to him to the, and said, listen to me. He called to the crowd. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Jesus stood and cried out. Cried out means to call aloud, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So here is, picture God and Jesus crying out to you, get to know me. And then Absalom crying out, saying, hey, where are you from? See, so you have two things crying out. And so in our life, there's things that are crying out for our attention. Do you want to know God more, or do you want to give attention to this thing that is crying out? Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's attention. Sometimes it's this. Now, I'm not, this is not an excuse to avoid the hard things in life. So every hard thing are, is not an Absalom. Like, take out the trash. Oh, no, that's an Absalom. No, I'm talking about, <laughs> I, mean, I can't be bothered with the Absalom. You know what I mean? 
we have to know, we have to identify the Absalom's in our life or we will keep giving attention to them. So here he is going to meet Jesus, going to meet David, and then all of a sudden he cries out. And then all of a sudden he answers the cry. And now where's his attention? His attention is a focus. Now he has a conversation with Absalom instead of with Jesus. See, every moment, all the time you spent, all the sorrow you spent, all the tragedy you spent with Absalom is time you're not spending with Jesus. So at the end of your life, it's just time. See, Absalom robs time. Time equals your life. Absalom's rob your life because your life is just made up of time. My boss, he pays me for my time. Somebody at work goes, they were complaining about a job, but, you know, they were sending me, he called me and says, hey, can you go get lunch? We're over here. No problem. I'm like, he pays me for my time. See, when I'm at work, my time is getting paid for. He's my boss. He can tell me what to do. You're, you ha- now, thank God we don't see how much time we have left on the clock. You know what I mean? But time is valuable. When you give something to something, when you give time to something, you're not giving it to something else. When you're giving time and conversation and effort to Absalom, you're not giving it to God. And so he's trying to draw us closer, but in order for him to draw us closer, we have to say no to Absalom. See, and he cried out. Now, for those of you who don't know, I walk fast. And I'll go, and you know those kiosks in the mall? So I'm walking real fast. Most people don't even bother me. They just look at me. But one guy, he just called out, hey, who's your cell phone plan with? And I just reacted. I said, I don't have a cell phone. I just kept walking. But, I mean, it was a total lie. I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing my Epicenter shirt, you know. My cell phone's in the back. But I come back, and I, I come back. He's talking to people. Why? Because they answered him calling out. Even people that didn't sign. They waste 20, 30, 40 minutes. And so we don't want to waste time with Absalom's because at the end of your life, it'll be what you value. See, you give time and attention to what you value, not what you say you value or what you write down you value or not what you want to value, what you actually value. Your bank account, your Netflix hours, all those things, what you really value, it'll show what you really value. And I'm not talking about this as, oh, we got to spend so much time with God. So I want to talk about the word. When we talk about the word and prayer and worship, I want to make sure when we talk about the word, it's not just reading scripture, it's knowing him. The Pharisees knew scripture, but they didn't know Jesus. Standing right before him, they didn't know him. So when we read the scripture, it's not just stuff he did, but we can see his character in the word, knowing him more and more, not just things he did. When we talk about prayer, it's not even just asking for stuff. Sometimes it's just listening, not even words. Sometimes God wants to give you his peace, and he doesn't even want to use words. So when I say prayer, it's not just asking, asking, asking. We need to grow out of that. Little children ask for stuff, but when you mature, you just want to sit next to your parents. See, so it's different. Like, like, Childish and childlike are two different things. God wants us to be childlike, but not childish. Childish wants, I want the car, I want the house, I want the spouse, I want these things now. God, I want you to do this. And we ask, 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 ask. God has many children, but he has very few children that just want to sit with him and hear his voice. Very few people that want to sit at his feet. They want to do activities for him, just like Mary and Martha. One was at his feet, Jesus commended. The other one was busy, busy serving Jesus, busy making food for Jesus. And he said, the best point is here. Yes, I, I don't need, this is my food. When people come to me and worship me and talk to me. This is my food because he wants to love us. Amen. And you'll see that with loving fathers and mothers that kill. some children just want to sit next to them. Like some, you know, some of you guys weren't a little cuddly as little kids. You want to kick around, but God wants you to be cuddly now. Amen. He wants us to be childlike. And it's time we go back and like, who's the greatest? Jesus. He grabbed a child. He didn't look at a scribe. He didn't look at a Pharisee. He didn't say those that know the most scripture. Those are going to beat the most scripture. He grabbed a child. Unless you become like a little child, you can't even enter. He didn't even say greatest. He just said enter. Amen? So I just want to make sure when we, when we hear getting in the word, prayer, worship, it's not just a checklist of things or steps to do, but invitations to know him more. See, the word is actually an invitation to, mo- to know him more. So Absalom was crying out, and he was 
by the way, and he was trying to get attention. And so he provided for himself. And so there's things that it will inflate. Satan, Absalom provided for himself chariots and horses, and Satan provided for himself one-third of the angels and said, see, I'm just like God. And they try to elevate them. See, see, I'm on the God level. See, I have angels too. But Jesus was king when he had a multitude following him, and when they all left, he was still king. It's not the crowds that make Jesus king. It's not the many that make Jesus king. It's not the conferences that make Jesus king. It's not the stadiums that make Jesus king. He's always king. We just need to recognize it and sit at his feet. And so Absalom and Satan weren't like that. I'm going to be like the Most High, so I'm going to gather a third of the angels, and I'm going to inflate my importance. And there will be things in your life that will inflate their value and importance, and they'll say this, give your attention to me, calling out when we're trying to draw closer to God. Again, I'm not talking about just your morning devotion or your night devotion. I'm talking about your life. And God wants us to get closer to him, draw closer to him. He wants us to know him. See, he already knows you fully. The Bible says in heaven we will know him as we are known. He already knows you fully, but he wants you to know him fully. And and in that, you will know yourself, actually who you truly are. See, David just thought he was a shepherd and his dad's servant, and really he realized I was called to be king. And then when he was on the throne, it was a prophecy. Then he was on the throne, the Bible says. Then he realized why he was king. It was for the people's sake. See, you have, some of you have great prophecies. You're going to go to the nations and all these things, and then you realize it's actually for the people. And when he says go to the nations, it doesn't mean you're going to be on TV. You could be washing the feet of little kids at a dump. But it's so. To the nations doesn't mean well-known. It means effective. And when this world ends and everything's done and all the millionaires and billionaires and everybody sits before him, God will say what's valuable. Some wood, hay, and stubble. See, men love crowds, but Jesus loves people. Friends, there's a world of difference. He'll sit with the one. Many ministers won't go if the crowd's too small. Jesus will go, is there one hungry? Absalom's waste time. Time equals your life. Absalom's can waste your life. When you put that on the scale, you realize that's a time waster. That's a time waster. I could be talking to Jesus, but I'm dealing with this. Now, when I say Absalom's, I don't just mean people or situations. I also could mean thoughts. It could be inadequacies, and it could mean self-esteem issues. It could mean how you look at yourself, because Absalom, what did he do? He cried out, and his first question was, where are you from? And so Satan says, look at your past. So when we come to God, it can be you won't want to spend time with somebody you think that's judging you. or you won't want, if, if somebody doesn't like you, you don't really want to be around them. But we actually, if we knew how much God loved us, we'd actually run to him more. We'd push things aside. We'd say no to this and say no to that so we could say yes to Jesus. And so he says, where are you from? And see, he started the conversation. And he, he started with a question. Does it sound familiar? Did God really say? He started with a question so he'd have a dialogue and an engagement. See, he doesn't, Absalom's don't give their attention. He says, oh, if I were judge, all the while he wanted to be king. He didn't say king. He said judge. Satan didn't come to Eve and says, I want you to bite the fruit so I can have authority over you. He didn't come like that. He said, did God really say? And so the Absaloms in our life will come in subtly, and they won't give their full disclosure. Friends, we need God. We need God to show us the Absaloms, and we need God to love God. See, you can ask God for the, for the love of God for him. See, love does not come from me. We love him because we first loved us because he puts love in us. It's not just a response. He puts love in us. God is not just loving. He's love. So you can ask God to increase because we have to recognize the Absalom's in our life. And then the second thing is we have to care. We have to care that it's keeping us from intimacy. And if you don't care, do you care that you don't care? 
It's okay not to care at times, but do you care that you don't care? Or does it not bother you? Does it bother you that you don't love Jesus as much as you did? Does it bother you that you have more passion when you were 19, 20 than you do now? You have more knowledge now, but less passion. You know more scripture now, but you have less love. You've been to more seminars, but you love them less. More hands have been laid on you, but you love him less. Does that bother you? You know way more than you did, friends, but do you have less love? That should bother us. See, when I was 13 years old, I got saved. My dad didn't want, to go to, want me to be a Christian. I used to push my bike up the hill. He let me go. I pushed up the hill. I pushed that bike up the hill, not for anybody but to meet him, and I would meet him every Sunday. Do I still have that? Or is it only getting the word to preach? See, I never read this word for a sermon. I read this to know him. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, bragging. No, that's I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying when we get in this word, it's like, Jesus, who are you? And I see him wrestling with Jacob. I see Jesus. And when I see him, when the Moses struck the rock, I see Jesus. And when Moses struck the rock again and God says, you're not going to enter the promised land, I see Jesus because Christ was crucified one time. That's why he was to strike it one time, not twice. And see, I see Jesus, everything. And so it always reflects Jesus. The Father loves glorifying the Son. The Son loves glorifying the Father. The Spirit loves. So he will give you love for him. But you have to recognize there's Absaloms in our life. And it's not just people. It could be thoughts and say when we go to meet him, says you're unworthy. Where are you from? And that voice will say, what's your past? You did this. You did that. You went through this or this or whatever it is. And you know, back in the day, a long time ago, divorces were a big deal. Now people, see, but in your life, God says, look, he took Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but when you do, strengthen the brethren. He goes, I'm not going to deny you. No, Peter, you're going to deny me. But I'm already looking in the future. You're going to deny me, but Strengthen the brethren when you return. Who preached the first message at Penitent after the Holy Spirit fell? Peter did. The one that denied him three times. That wasn't for uh, just anything. That was for the one that denied me. When you return, strengthen the brethren. He already sees your future. So we just see now. And so Absalom says, where are you from? What did you do? Look at your past. You're, you're, so the Absaloms can be inadequacy, unworthiness, shame. See, a lot of people think, oh, Jesus forgave my sins. But shame and guilt he also wants to wash away. See, in the Old Testament, sins were covered, but God always knew they were there. In the New Testament, they're washed away. They're no longer there. It's the difference between taking a shower and just wearing perfume, friends. So when we weigh that, man, it's wasting my life, wasting my time, wasting my intimacy with God. When we recognize the Absaloms in our life, when we say, hey, look, this Absalom, these things robbing me. And so Absalom comes in. He says, I'm judge. But then he made an announcement. See, he says, after the, after the scripture, the Bible says years later, Absalom, so Absalom will stand by the way gate, and years later, years later, he comes in subtly just to help, just to judge, just to relieve stress, just to handle this, just to handle that, just to help. Some of us have a need to minister, and so we want to help all these people, and they're Absaloms, and they're just time wasters. And then, so all of a sudden, years later, he says he sent spies throughout the land, and he says, when you hear the trumpet pronounce, Absalom reigns in Hebron. See, now he's ruler. Now he's a ruler over your life. Comes in as a judge. See, Satan just came in with a question. Came in with a question to start a dialogue with you. And we dialogue with Absaloms, and they never give us their full intent. He says, I'm, I'm going to help you. And then later he says, I'm a ruler. So they, there's, there's places in our heart that have rulership that God does not want to have that he wants to change. 
My heart too. This is not, hey guys, I have this down. I want you guys to just follow me. No, no, this is let's follow Jesus. This is, hey, this is everybody. I'm sitting there in a sense listening to this message because when I go through this message, I have to, to screen it through my own life. I can just give it and say, oh, that's a good message, but I say, no, no I care that I don't care as much as I care. I, it's not about knowing more or seeing more. Yeah, I pro- when I was 13 years old, I didn't prophesy and I didn't preach, but there's never a chance where I loved him more than that. So it, you know what I'm saying? So we need to go back to being like children, and it's not that we give up our knowledge and our wisdom, but that we have so much knowledge and wisdom we realize being a child is where it's at and sitting at his feet, and it's not being well-known. It's being known by him. See, if God knows you, it doesn't matter who else knows you because he knows everybody. And the Bible says that, in all Israel, nobody was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. It looked good. It looked good. It, this is good. So, some, so no, I, I, that's bad. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that look good but waste their time. Some of us, it looks good to make more money. It looks good to do this, and it just we, puts us down a rabbit hole, and it, we chase things, and, and it, it wastes time. And it's, I'm, I'm not saying not to make money, but I'm saying that there's a deceitfulness of riches. I'm just using it as an example. And it, it looks good to help everybody, but all of a sudden, you're helping everybody. And so it, Absalom looked good. There was no blemish on the outside, but the rottenness was on the inside. It takes God to recognize the Absaloms in our life. We have to ask God, because there's some things we're like, I don't want to mess with that. No, God says, I want you to mess with that. I don't want you to mess with this. So this is not making choices what you like and what you don't like. This is God saying, this is an Absalom in your life. You need to cut it off. And some of you, it could be social media and all these things. And that's just a small example because the truth is it's anything wasting our time, pulling us away from intimacy with God can be an Absalom. But but Absalom looked good. There was no blemish in him on the outside. The rottenness was on the inside and God sees the hearts. And so we need to look at the heart of the situation because he says that thing's coming in as judge to help you but it's going to rule over you here. So we don't want to start conversations with Absaloms. Hey, man, what cell phone are we playing you with? I don't have a cell phone. Keep walking. And he just like looked at me and looked at him. We both, we were, I was lying. He just like, well, <laughs> you know, did God really say, oh, well, he said this and this. I'm just being, trying to be friendly, blah, blah, blah. Here, eat. Now he's rule over you. Before he was just asking you a question. So when it comes in, you need to recognize the Absalom's, not when it's just rule over you, because by that time, he's already ruling over you and things in our heart. So we need to get rid of the Absalom's, but also then be aware of new Absalom's coming in. Anything keeping us from intimacy and knowing God is a leech. My dad used to grow these, uh, grow these trees and plants. He was head of green thumb. He could grow anything, and he would pull these plants around the tree, and he'd call them sucker plants. Some of the plants were not weeds. They were actually plants. They were seeds from other plants. Dad, that's a good plant. You have that plant here, but I don't want it here because it's taking the nutrients of this tree. So if we want God to grow the nutrients of our heart and so we can know him, there's things that seem good. and Because some, some Absalom just need to be put in their place. You're a good judge. The Absalom was the son of David. That's a good thing. King over David, that's a bad thing. So there's some things that just need to have a new order. I can't give that time and attention anymore. This is the time and attention I can give it to. And I put it back in its place. So my dad would pull those weeds out and pull those plants out, and then they would be, the roots would be exposed to the sun, and they'd die. And then they'd be mulched back in, and they'd be used for growth. See, when things are exposed to the sun, they die. When things are exposed to Jesus, the Son of God, they die. And so the light comes in and exposes those things that take the nutrients and time away from everything that he wants to give us. 
And I go to conferences, I listen to podcasts, I do all those sermons, friend, but that does not take the place of just meeting with him. Hearing someone else speak does not take the place of just meeting with him. God speaks things to my heart that I don't share because it's to me, and he wants to share things just to you. It's not for a book or a song or a sermon or a message, it's to you. It's because he loves you. Uh, it's, you know, he writes a name that no one else knows, it's to you. And you see the individuality of God, and no one knows there'll be a name in heaven that no one else knows, only you. There's an individuality with God. And he loves each children the same but differently, and it's, so it's like some are closer to him. It's not that he loves them more, but he gets to show his love more, if I can say it like that. And they can receive his love more with no shame or guilt, no, no sounds of Absalom going, did God really say, or, or saying, where are you from, what's your past? No, I'm going to meet with Jesus because he washed me of everything that's kept me from intimacy. So we need to recognize the Absalom. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, Court, if you can please come play. Bible says, not the last thing, but let me go back to one thing. You know, we talk, we talk about caring. Do we care that we don't care? The Bible says God can take the heart of stone and turn it to the hearts of flesh. You know, he can make our hearts more sensitive to him. It's not my power that does it. It's not, okay, I'm going to be more sensitive. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to worship more. I'm going to read the No, God, make my heart more sensitive to you, and I respond more. Take me back to when I was pushing my bike up the hill, when there was no other voices, and I did, my, my earthly dad says, don't go. I'll let you go, but I don't like that you go. But I heard my heavenly father's voice said, come and meet with me. And so I meet with him. And so during those times and seasons, and so he'll make, see, nothing is impossible with him. We heard it during worship. We heard it during with the flow. Nothing's impossible with him. That includes making your heart soft and pliable again for the soil. See, when, the, when my dad was growing uh, plants and the soil didn't take it, I would rototill. Rototill would go deep. And I'd like, I could feel the vibration of my body. He didn't, my dad didn't go, let me get rid of all this soil and bring in new soil. He says, no, I'm going to turn the soil over. And God wants to turn the soil of our hearts today. So again, we can receive the word and the words he wants to speak to us. And in those words, there's no shame and guilt of where you're from. You'll hear, come, follow me. See, he, when he called the disciples, he didn't say, how long you been fishing? He just said, follow me. Everything changed that day. Two words, follow me. And just like Absalom, when he comes in as judge and to be king, he doesn't tell you, Jesus doesn't tell you everything, those two words follow me, but he didn't say, I'm going to make you disciples, then I'm going to make you apostles, and then you're going to do the book of Acts, and, you're going to write, and then you're going to write letters that are going to be for millions and billions of people through generations they didn't know. When Paul was writing a letter in prison, he didn't know it was going to be in a book. He didn't say that. He just thought he was writing it to Timothy, and so it's just one person. But you are valuable enough to God to write that letter to, and he has, wants to write a letter on your heart. And the last thing is, we recognize that Absalom's, do we care that we don't care? And the last thing is, I want us to weigh the cost. We need to weigh the cost. Because the Bible says that Absalom followed David. He was going to meet him in battle. But he was riding his mule. And Jesus rode a donkey. Absalom rode a mule. And a mule is a hybrid of a horse and a donkey. And so the donkey represents humility. And Absalom, it was a mixture. He was riding a mixture. And so he's coming, and there's a big tree, the Bible says, and his head got caught in the branch. Because it was low, and he was following a forest, and the, and the mule kept going. And the Bible says these words. Absalom was hanging on the tree between heaven and earth. Does it sound familiar? Calvary. Jesus was hanging on a tree between heaven and earth. One hand in heaven, one hand in earth. And so the very same tree where Jesus gave us victory is the very, very same tree where Absalom's face to feet. See, so you have the same battlefield where one has a victory, one has a defeat. 
And then Joab took three spears and he rammed them, the Bible says, through the heart of Absalom. Three. There was three nails that went through Jesus. Through is the key word. The spear on the side pierced his side, but it didn't go through. There was three that went through. So when the three nails went through Jesus, the three spears went through the heart of Absalom. He was hanging by his head. That means authority. So when Jesus died on the tree at Calvary, he was hanging between heaven and earth. He took the authority of the Absaloms away from our life if we go to him. Hanging between, hanging on a tree between heaven and earth. There's Jesus, one hand on the left on the earth, one hand on the right, bringing heaven to earth, man to God once again. So, Lord, I thank you that when you died on that tree, when you were hanging between heaven and earth, the spiritual Absalom was hanging and three spears went through his heart and he was hanging by his head. But, Lord, I thank you when the spikes went through. Lord, I thank you for giving us authority today over our Absaloms and recreating that love. You are the creator God can look at nothing and create something. So, Lord, I thank you for looking at all those dead spots in our heart, all those hurtful areas, all those hearts where we don't want to meet with you or see with you or the shame or the guilt or the busyness. Lord, I thank you for coming again and breathing life again on those areas of our heart. Will we want to again? Will we will care that we don't care, that we'll want to run to you, we'll want to run again to your arms, we'll want to push up our bike up that hill, so to speak, God. We'll, we'll be able to push no to this and no to this so we can say yes to Jesus once again so we can sit at your feet because the Absaloms in our life want to rob intimacy they're on the side of the way gate they're next to Jesus and Jesus is calling out Absalom is calling out Jesus is calling out Absalom is calling out which call will we respond to will tell us what table we sit at will you sit at the table of time wasting of shame and guilt or will you sit at the king's table see which call are you both are calling this life is busy. Things will call you. Come here, come here, come here. They used to call Jesus all the time. Go here, do this, be known. But he said, I'm going to be about my father's business. What he says, I'll say. What he does, I'll do. So, Lord, I thank you today, God. We are resetting our heart again and putting it in the pierced hands, the hands that know rejection, the hands that were crucified, the hands, the man. We're putting it in the God man who was hanging between heaven and earth on a tree. He was hanging between heaven and earth, suspended physically, but also spiritually, bringing heaven to earth. And which was not mended, he mended. Which the bridge that says you'll never can be built again, he built. The, the crossing says you'll never cross that. You'll never do that. You'll never go there. He built it. Jesus built it. All the efforts, all the prophets, all the prophesying, they failed. Isaiah, he failed. Jeremiah, he failed. Ezekiel, no good. Moses, you're out. Abraham, you're no good. You're not good enough. But there's one who came along, Jesus, and he made the bridge, friends, for you to meet with God. And so when you weigh the price, the price that was paid, is it worth it saying no to Jesus and yes to Absalom when you see the one who was hanging on the tree between heaven and earth, who was pierced through three times and not through, and the spears went through his heart. And when Jesus was pierced, the spears went through the heart of the Father. If you think it was easy for the Father to see that, you do not know him. No, it was not easy for the Father to see that he had to turn his head from his son. And that's when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? He didn't say it when he was getting whipped. He didn't say it when the crown of thorns came. He didn't say it when the nails came through his hands. He said it when the presence of the Father turned from him. And because it turned from Jesus at that moment, it can turn to you. And so, Lord, I thank you for turning your presence to us today, God, for reigniting our hearts, for encountering our hearts again, God. Yes, it's good to shake and be slain in the Spirit and all those things, Lord, but we want our hearts to be warmed again to the Son of God. Turn over that soil of our heart, those areas, those areas that you're not judge, you're not ruler, where shame has come and sat and said, this is where I live. And came in as a judge, came in as a, a conversation 
conversation came in as something that happened to you, but now it's a ruler over your heart in an area. So, Lord, I thank you for restoring the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers and to the daughters and the mothers, God. And I thank you for coming once again and growing on this earth. I thank you for awakening coming to America. I thank you for this next generation to know the love of a father, God. I thank you for your power and your might to come. And when we see signs, wonders, and miracles, we will not just see what you've done. We'll see who you are. Jesus didn't heal just to show his power. He just didn't heal so he could show us what to do. He healed because he actually cared about people. He wanted to break the, 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 the vices of the enemy. So, Lord, any vice on people today, God, we break it in the name of Jesus. And not just to say, oh, the name of Jesus. No, but that you receive it today. He's coming to turn over the soil of your heart. You can go that. You can say that. You can be with me. You can, because he made you worthy to sit with him. There's nothing in you that makes you unworthy when we go to him and repent and wash us for our sins. There's nothing in us that could keep us from him unless we allow the Absaloms to do it. Absalom's calling out. Jesus is calling out. Which call will you listen to? One wants to give you life. One wants to waste your time. One has a purpose and a destiny for you and he has a scroll that he wants to read with you. It's not just the prophecies over your life. There's many things he says to you. He even told the disciples, there's many things I want to say to you but you cannot receive them now. But when the Spirit comes, He will remind you and He'll teach you all things. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming to us today and igniting us like a wave stirring the oceans and the power and the washing coming over and like the tsunami of your love coming on us, God, that we'll see, we'll not just recognize the Absalom's, we'll not just care that we don't care, but your, the, your love will warm us once again to meet with you again, to spend time with you again, to not just, oh, I'm going to read the word in prayer, but sometimes just to sit and enjoy your presence. Sometimes it's just to meet with our Heavenly Father. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we're more aware of the other one the other. But Lord, I thank you that you've always wanted to meet with us. You've always wanted to spend time with us. God, help us see you as you see us.